Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. Rabbi Kevin is back from Israel, and he and his tour had a great time and brought back wonderful memories and souvenirs. Sadly, he also brought back with him COVID. But he is in good spirits and recovering, so our speaker today is none other than one of our own. Let's all welcome Godfrey Gad. Praise the Lord. I said praise the Lord. Amen. Well, like you heard, the rabbi would have loved to be here. He did everything he could to be here. He flew back just to be here with us because this is a very important feast for him and for us all. I think he pushed it, trying to still be here, but he couldn't. He is still flesh and blood. So I want us to lift him up in prayer before we begin. And I want us to lift up our voice together as a congregation and ask the Lord to touch him where he is right now. Amen? Pray with me. Abba Kadosh, you are the Lord who fixed the universe, the Lord who created every cell in our body. You are the Lord to whom nothing is impossible. You said, ask, it shall be given to you. As the people that you have chosen to be called by your name, we ask you now, Father, in the name of Yeshua, that you will touch your servant. Touch him, Lord, with that anointing that breaks the yoke of COVID. Release him now, Father, from that sick bed. We ask that you restore him back to us quickly. He has a lot to do for your kingdom. We need him, Lord. We cannot do without him yet. So we ask for his quick recovery now, Father. Touch him, Lord. May your name be glorified as you do. In Yeshua's name. Amen. So when he found out that he couldn't, make it. Yesterday, he, uh, I received a call to stand in for him. You know, the, the, good, the great test of a good leader is that you have what you're called to do continue even when you're not there. Right? He has raised a lot of leaders 
here in this congregation. I happen to be one of them. Any of them could stand here and preach, but this is just my turn. Next time it's going to be someone else's turn. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. But he did ask me to speak on Moses. That was all he told me. So we're going to talk about Moses. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, the man Moses, we know he was an extraordinary biblical personality whose influence and prophetic voice still echo throughout all mainstream religions of today. He was the most revered prophet in Judaism. A man historically known for single-handedly leading the Israelites out of Egyptian slavery. And brought to the knees, brought to the, brought the power of the most powerful nation, the most powerful empire in those days. He brought them to their knees. But what did the beginning of Moses' life look like? What kind of environment was he born in? What kind of person raised him up? What was so special about Moses? What distinguished him amongst the other prophets? These are some of the questions we will try to answer tonight. Amen? I'm going to ask you for your total attention. I'm not going to have the charisma of Rabbi Kevin, neither the crispiness of his English language, but such as I have, I give you tonight. Just stay with me. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Moses was born under oppression to a people subjugated to hard labor and to a family of slaves. The people were despised. Moses' people were despised and afflicted. And their life was considered of little value in the eyes of their oppressors. In fact, Moses, as a mild child, was already condemned to death before his birth and was supposed to be tossed to the river Nile as food to the crocodiles. That was Moses in the eyes of man. But God had a different plan for him. Your beginning may have been rough. You may not have been born in a perfect family, in a perfect condition of life. Even now, you may be struggling to fit in to a society that marginalizes who you are just because of how you look or where you come from. You may even be despised now because of your 
Jewish faith. Just because you're Jewish. Or maybe because you believe that Yeshua is Messiah, you may be marginalized. But I'm here to tell you tonight that God has a different plan for your life. Amen? Amen. It is not over for you. Just like it was not over for Moses, it is not over for any of us tonight whose beginning may have been rough or even whose current condition is still fragile. It's not over. I say it's not over. Say it's not over. Your beginning may have been rough. You may have been even rejected by your own family. But even so, the Lord will recover you. The Lord will recover you. Let us go to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 1, verse 22. Then Pharaoh came, Pharaoh gave this order to all the people, every boy that is born, throw in the river, but let all the girls live. Let's continue to read chapter 2 from verse 1. Exodus. A man from the family of Levi took a woman also descended from Levi as his wife. When she conceived and had a son, upon seeing what a fine child he was, she hid him for three months. When she could no longer hide him, she took a papyrus basket, coated it with clay and tar, put the child in it, and placed it upon among the reeds on the riverbank. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe in the river while her maids in attendance walked along the riverside. Spotting the basket among the reeds, she sent her slave girl to get it. She opened it and looked inside, and there in front of her was a crying baby boy. Moved with pity, she said, this must be one of the Hebrew children. At this point, his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, would you like me to go and find you one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Pharaoh's daughter answered, yes, go. So the girl went and called the baby's own mother. Pharaoh's daughter told her, take this child away and nurse it for me. And, it will pay, and I will pay you for doing it. So the woman took the child and nursed it. Then, verse 10, then when the child had grown some, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and she began to raise him as her own. She called him Moshe, Moses, explaining, because I put him out of the water. 
Here is the humor of our God. Quite on display right here. Pharaoh wanted to kill Moses even at birth. But he ended up not only feeding and educating him, but also paid the mother to nurse him. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? He wanted to kill the boy, but ended up not only feeding and educating him, but he also paid the mother to nurse him. Praise God. Praise God. While Moses, I want to make a declaration over you right now. Lift up your hand. Say, I declare every Pharaoh planning to destroy my life will end up serving to promote my destiny in Yeshua's name. Amen. While Moses was being nursed, of course, by the mother, and being a very good Jewish mother, she must have taught him about his identity and about his people, and probably about how they got there. So he became aware of his origin. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 says, Train a child in the way he should go, and even when he's old, he will not swerve from it. I want to take a second to talk to our parents. Your efforts in educating your children right now in the way of the Lord will never be in vain. Amen? No, mat no matter what the enemy no matter what the society throws at them as teenagers, I'm here, I'm here to say to you that the seed you have sown in their life will eventually bear fruit and fruit abundantly. Amen? So Moses grows up as a prince in a palace, similar to the White House today. Now he was trained in every Egyptian skill both militarily and in leadership. God used Pharaoh to prepare Moses in the skills that eventually Moses would use to conquer him. Praise God. Isn't that awesome? That's our God. God made it such that Pharaoh prepared Moses with the skills that he would eventually use to defeat him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That makes me happy. So Moses grows up as a prince in a palace, being prepared by the best teachers in the nation. So I'm here to also talk to the young people. Young people, take advantage of all the training the world provides you. Go to college. Learn all you can. 
Get all the diploma you can. Get qualified in everything you can. Why? Because tomorrow, you never know. Maybe one day, you will be able to stand before the Pharaoh of your generation, the Hitlers of your generation, the Hermans of your generation. And you'll be able to confront them with the word of the Lord and thus deliver not only your people, but your generation. So young people, learn as much as you can with what the world is offering you today. I have a feeling that somehow deep in the heart of Moshe, he knew he was called to do something great. Something to help his people, to relieve them of the hardship he saw them in Egypt. But Moshe, Moses, was so filled with Egyptian lifestyle and Egyptian way of life that it was very hard for him. He was so consumed with Egyptian way of doing things that he wanted to fulfill the call of God upon his life. In the, with the arm of the flesh in his own way. And that was the biggest mistake he made. Let us read Exodus chapter 2. We're going to dwell in Exodus today. Exodus chapter 2. Let's read from verse 11 to 14. One day, when Moshe was a grown man, he went out to visit his kinsmen. And he watched them struggling at forced labor. He saw an Egyptian strike a Hebrew, one of his kinsmen. So he looked this way and that way. And when he saw that no one was around, he killed the Egyptian and hid his body in the desert, in the sand. The next day, he went out and saw two Hebrew men fighting with each other. To the one in the wrong, he said, why are you hitting your companion? He retorted, who appointed you ruler among, ruler and judge over us? Do you intend to kill me the way you killed Egyptian? Moshe became frightened. Clearly, he thought the matter has become known. And of course, it became known. So this is Moses trying to use his own strength and in his own way, the way he learned things done in Egypt, he wanted to use that way to fulfill the call that was upon him, which was to deliver his people from Egyptian bondage. And he got into trouble. So Moses had to flee to Midian. He ran for his life. You see, one foolish act of trying to serve God with the arm of the flesh debased him. He fell from the palace to the wilderness, from prince to a peasant in one day. But God did not discard Moses. But God did not discard Moses. Brothers and sisters, you may have fallen from grace due to one foolish mistake 
you may have lost your position of influence due to one mistake or the other. You may see yourself today 180 degrees from where you used to be, and you think there is no hope. Listen, God has not forgotten you. God has not forgotten you. God's call upon your life is irrevocable. He will get you no matter where you run to. Amen? Remember Jonah. So Moses being a cultured gentleman that he was, while in Midian, he saw seven girls struggling to serve their father, and he extended his help to them and ended up marrying one of them. So he's now the son-in-law of a priest and a husband to the daughter of a man of God. In Midian, Moses was, must have thought within himself, well, there is no more hope for me. There's no way I will ever see my parents, my family, and my people anymore. Talk less, helping them out of their trouble. It's over. I can imagine Moses not even responding to the many preachings that his father-in-law who was a priest, could have been preaching. He probably was even questioning the call of God upon his life. He probably questioned even all that his mother told him when he was a little child. But brothers and sisters, I believe we have many Moses here tonight. We have many Moses out in the, congrega in the congregation and outside the congregation. These are people with great call of God upon their life. They are disillusioned today, uninterested in religious things. They have seen so much without answers, gone through so much without seeing the evidence of what they believed in. They have lost interest in what is preached every Shabbat. They don't see the possibility of fulfilling their prophetic destiny. But I tell you, you may have been written off by society. You may have been written off by man. You may even have written off yourself. But believe me, El Shaddai has not forgotten you. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has not forgotten his promises. The promises he made to you and your family years ago, they are not written off. They will be fulfilled. I said they will be fulfilled. They will be fulfilled. The children of Israel were unaware of the covenant promises their ancestors had with El Shaddai. They were not aware of it. They did not know that there was a covenant cut with Abraham and the God of the universe. But God did not forget. In Genesis chapter 15, we can remember 
But in Genesis chapter 15, verse 13, how God and Moses, and sorry, how God and Abraham met and had a covenant. And it says, Adonai said to Abraham, Abraham, know this for certain. Your descendants will be forgotten, will be foreigners in a land that is not theirs. They will be slaves and, and held in oppression there for 400 years. 400 years. But after that, he said he was going to come to deliver them. This was the promise God made to Abraham. They were to stay in Egypt for 400 years. But the scripture says that they stayed there for 430 years. I wonder why they stayed extra 30 years before they cried out to the Lord. Because we see in Exodus chapter 20, chapter 2, verse 23, that they did cry out to the Lord. And when they cried out to the Lord, God remembered them. He remembered his covenant with Abraham. And then he remembered Moses, who he has already destined to deliver them. Amen? Congregation Bethel, a time will come when those you are called to reach will cry out to the Lord. A time shall come when they will cry out to the God of their ancestors. And he's going to remember the covenant he had with your, with your ancestors. And the Almighty, the Almighty himself will encounter you. He will encounter you so that you can go and deliver them. It was the cry of the people of Israel that made God to remember and encounter Moses. Moses was already completely tuned off to everything godly. But God remembered him when those for whom he was called cried out to him. In like manner, we as a congregation, we are called for, to a people. Time is coming, and I believe that time is now. They are crying out to the God of the ancestors, and I believe God is going to look unto you, unto congregation Bethalel, and he's going to encounter you. I say he's going to encounter you. Do you believe he say amen? How did God encounter Moses? Worse enough, worse we are not enough to encounter Moses or change his mind. The preachings he heard from his father's his father-in-law was not enough. They were not enough. But it was necessary for him to have an encounter with the flames of fire. When he had this encounter with a fire, with a fire burning in a bush without being consumed, that caught his attention. And when his attention was drawn, then the call within him was revived. And Moses was released to his destiny. Amen. Amen. My brothers, we have to pray. We have to know that the flames of fire is what's going to make the big difference. So I pray that the flames of fire, the fire of God will rest upon us in this congregation. I pray that it will definitely come mightily upon us because it will wake up some sleeping dreams. 
It will draw the attention of many Moses that are out there. And it will call them back to their purposes. Amen? Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. An encounter with the fire of God will give you boldness. It will make you dare the impossible. It will make you confront the pharaohs. It will make you look in the eye of the enemy and say, let my people go. Prior to that, Moses was scared of going to Egypt. He was scared of confronting Pharaoh. But when he had an encounter with the Lord, when he had an encounter that changed his life, he was bold and courageous to accomplish the call that was upon his life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now Moses goes back. He goes back to Egypt. Now armed with the word of the Lord and the fire. He goes back to challenge Moses. I mean Pharaoh. Of course, we know that Pharaoh hardened his heart and refused to obey the command. This was the genesis of what we celebrate today as Pesach. Moses going back to Pharaoh and beginning to confront him and ask him to let his people go boldly, audaciously. And Pharaoh says, who is, your, who is the Lord that I should obey him? Who is the Lord that I should let you go? I'm comfortable having you serve me every day. Why should I let you go? So this is the same pattern with your enemy today. You have declared the word of God at him. You have rebuked him, haven't you? You have commanded him. You have prayed and you have fasted. Yet, your enemy is as stubborn as Pharaoh and does not want to let go. In fact, when you, start to conf- when you started confronting him, that's when things started to even get worse. He gets more violent and intimidating. That's what he did to the Israelites. When Moses confronted him, he redoubled the oppression. He increased their workload. Things got tougher for them. But if you don't coward out, but stand your ground, God's hand will eventually begin to fall on your enemy. And when God begins to deal with your enemy, the next thing he will try to do is to negotiate. So I declare to you tonight that the hand of the Lord shall be strong upon your enemy. In Yeshua's name. So God through Moses started to pour plagues after plague on Egypt. Next one was worse than the previous one. 
yet it looked like Pharaoh would never budge. But the truth was that he was, something was going on. The plagues were weakening him. At a point, he started to negotiate. When he started to pain him, when he started to now hurt him, because, because Moses would not budge, Moses would not give in, he started to negotiate. Let's see how he negotiated. Exodus chapter 8, verse 28. Exodus 20, chapter 8, verse 28. Pharaoh said, I will let you go to offer sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, but you must not go very far. Now pray for me. And in, verse, in chapter 10, verse 11, this is another negotiation. No, have only the men go and worship the Lord, since that's what you have been asking for. Then Moses and Aaron were driven out of Pharaoh's presence. And in verse 24 of chapter 10, then Pharaoh summoned Moses and and said, go worship the Lord. Even your women and children may go with you. Only leave your flocks and herds behind. Isn't this what the enemy does today with some of us? Don't get too far with the Lord. It's okay to go to Shabbat once a week. That's enough. You don't have to be fanatical. Going, going to synagogue on Tuesday or in the middle of the week, no, 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 don't do that. That's going too far. You can serve the Lord, but don't go too far. Don't go too far. Just be an okay believer. Continue to do what you do in the world. Continue to serve me in Egypt. But... Go a little bit. Let them just know that you're someone that goes to worship God. But don't go far. But when you say, no, no, I'm going to go far. And you mean it and you say, I'm not only going myself, I'm going to bring my family. And you say, no, no, no. You're not go you, you can't go with your family. Now you can go. Go worship God. Go far as much as you want. But leave your children with me. Leave your husband with me. Leave your family, your wife with me. You can be saved, but not your family. Isn't that a negotiation that the enemy does sometimes? And if you're one of those that are very adamant, and you insist that your family must be saved, and you're praying hard and ministering with your testimony, he has another card to play. And he comes back and says to you, okay, all your family can be saved. You can go, you and your family, but leave your flocks and your herds. 
Leave your riches and prosperity. Leave your blessings with me in Egypt. But here in Bethlehem, like Moses, we are here to say to the enemy, not only are we going to be on fire for God, but we and our children and our family will serve the Lord. Amen? And according to Psalm chapter 35, verse 27, we want to remind Pharaoh of this world that the Lord takes pleasure in the welfare, in the health, in the prosperity, in the peace, and in the favor of his servants. So no negotiation with the enemy. As we're leaving Egypt, we live with our family and we live with our blessings. Amen? We don't leave anything in Egypt. Say, I'm not leaving anything in Egypt. Praise the Lord. And let's read from Exodus chapter 12 in conclusion. To conclude, God through Moses poured out so many plagues upon Egypt with the intention of making Egypt and Pharaoh do one thing, let my people go. Israel is my firstborn. Let my firstborn go, else I will have to kill your firstborn. But in mercy and grace, God was touching other things but his dear children. And yet, Pharaoh would not listen. And here, the last straw that killed the camel. In chapter 12 of Exodus, we see that God says unto Moses, Today, today, that was 14 days ago, shall be for you the beginning of the weeks, the beginning of the months, the beginning of the year. So we are actually in a new year now. And then he gave them instruction concerning how they will be delivered from Egypt. And the instruction was that they have to give a lamb, slay the lamb, eat it, but use the blood, apply it on the lintel of their houses and on the doorposts of their houses. With that, the destroyer will come but the Lord will not allow the destroyer to go into their houses. The sacrifice of the lamb brought deliverance for the Israelites. The sacrifice of the lamb brought deliverance for the Israelites. I believe that if the, 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 if the Egyptians had noticed or heard that by placing the blood of a lamb on their houses that they were going to be saved, I believe they too would have been saved. Don't you believe it? It was necessary for the blood to be applied 
on their houses. If a Jewish, if, a, if an Israelite had not applied the blood on their house, they would not have been spared either. Because only the blood saves. Amen? Chapter 12, verse 12. For I will pass through the land, the land of Egypt, this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Amen. It is obedience to the instruction concerning the lamb and the blood that brought salvation and deliverance to the Israelites. Many years passed by. These redeemed people, and in fact, the whole entire world, find, found themselves under a greater bondage and a greater and cruel uh, master called sin. In John chapter 8, verse 34, Yeshua said, Behold, I say to you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. When we sin, we become slave to sin. Sin becomes our master. It took the death of, and the blood of a lamb to deliver the Israelites from Egyptian slavery. In like manner, it takes the blood, the death and the blood of Yeshua to deliver mankind from another slave master called sin. It was the blood of an innocent lamb that saved the Israelites from suffering the sin, the same fate as the Egyptians. Their obedience to the instruction given to them brought them deliverance. In like manner, our obedience to the instruction about the blood of Yeshua brings us deliverance as well. We are saved by grace not by our works. We are saved by the mercy of the Lord. Remember, the Israelites were not better than the Egyptians. It was the grace of God given to them that brought the redemption. But they had to obey. They had to listen and heed the instruction that was given to, their, to them for their deliverance. If they had said, oh, no, I'm not going to do that, they would have ended up like every other Egyptian. Brothers and sisters, 
and everyone at the sound of my voice. It was on a day like this. A day such as this, the 14th of Nisan, according to Hebrew calendar, that the Lamb of God was slain and his precious blood is available for us today. The Israelites believe in the prophets so much. One prophet, called Yohanan, John the Immerser, saw Yeshua come to him one day. He pointed to him and he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And this Lamb was slain on the 14th of Nisan many years ago, on a day such as this. On a night such as this, he was already suffering. And his blood is available today to deliver us from the oppressor called sin. His blood is available now to be applied in our lives for our deliverances. Accept this day the sacrifice that he has made for your redemption and you will be at peace. Acts chapter 4 Verse 12, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name on the heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Yeshua is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. If you are willing tonight and you are obedient to the instructions concerning Yeshua's blood. I want to say a prayer with you. And I want it to be the beginning of your journey to your own Pesach. Amen. I want us to stand on our feet, please. I say it again. If you are willing tonight and will be obedient to what you have heard, say this prayer with me and let it be the beginning of your journey with your Savior. Say with me, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as you provided the blood, the blood of the Lamb, to deliver Israel from their oppressors in Egypt. You have provided the blood of Yeshua to deliver me, to deliver the world from the oppression of sin. I need to be delivered from sin. I ask for the forgiveness of my sins and the cleansing of the blood of Yeshua. I believe Yeshua is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Lord Yeshua, please accept me as I am, but make me as I should be. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray for everyone.
I pray for those that are listening, those that are remotely watching. I pray that you touch. I pray that you save, you deliver. I pray that this be a very important and special Pesach for your people. And again, I ask Heavenly Father, let your presence stay with us. Let your fire fall upon this congregation, preparing your people to be a light to our world. Thank you, Heavenly Father, in Yeshua's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethhalel.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L dot O-R-G. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and shalom. Lie, 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 lie.